Welcome back to another edition of Pod Jerky. On today's episode, we actually had a totally different episode planned, but we decided to hit record on our program, and that's where things went off the rail. Let's just take it right into this episode. I'm listening to this podcast, and and I'm trying to network with these guys where they're like, have a listen to our podcast, and I'm like, okay, have a listen to ours. Sure. And then I said, you know, maybe we can do some sort of commercial swap, you know, where Mm -hmm. you guys give us a brief commercial, we'll give you a brief commercial, whatever. And I listened to the two episodes that they talked about the wrestling and the content is good. The editing is terrible. So the editing in it, they don't edit their episodes at all. Our sound quality compared to theirs is fantastic. You have one guy who sounds really clear mm-hmm. and then you have one guy who sounds like he's on a phone, like he's not even using a microphone on a Skype call. And then you have one of the guys who's coming in clear is like sitting outside doing the podcast and you hear his neighbors cutting the grass. And then while they're cutting the grass, you can't hear the guy that's on the phone talking. So he's talking and you hear the lawnmower over that guy talking. And then he's opening up. I think it's cans of beer while he's talking. And the whole episodes, he's going, uh, uh. Like he's burping the entire episode. These guys have like 1,700 followers and the content is actually not bad. I think it's just the editing portion of it sucks. And their intro is like two minutes long and their outro is like two minutes long. It's way too long, (laughs) right? So I'm like, I'm going to have some feedback for them like when I talk to them later on. I'm sure if you're at that point there, you don't even care really because you got your followers and if they're growing their base, who cares? You know what? I think the audience drives your quality. Think about it. If no one gives a crap about the quality of the audio coming out at the end, then why should you care? Well, right. But at the same time, like you want a good polished product at the end. But I guess if your audience is listening and they're not making any comments, then why change it? Maybe people are saying like, oh, it sounds a lot more realistic with you leaving the burps in. And but I'm like, it's so annoying listening to it. Like I was walking the dog this morning and all I'm listening to is this guy burp the whole time. So I don't know if he has a medical condition or (laughs) if he's just drinking too much while he's doing the show, but he's burping the entire time. And it's not like, you know, a burp escaped and he's like, oh, excuse me. Sorry for that. It's like constant, like every like. 30 to 45 seconds he's burping and it's like this is crazy like i don't even know i don't even know talking about wrestling i was watching stone cold's show the broken Uh, skull wrench yes yeah yeah. and he had the undertaker on yeah i watched that one oh that was so good yeah he did one with bret hart he did one with rick flair there's a bunch of good ones it's scary how damaged these guys are. If you get a chance, watch. This is the podcast these guys were talking about. And I've watched all these episodes. It's called Dark Side of the Ring. And it's like they do a two-parter on. So it's from the Vice channel. But Craven HBO plays it here. But you can probably find it online on YouTube or something. But it's a two-part episode on Chris Benoit and the the stuff he's gone through through his life. And then he kills his wife and son and then kills himself. And then the drug use that's involved in wrestling and the murders and assassinations that have happened in wrestling. Like they're crazy backstories that people don't know about. So they'll talk about one episode's about the fabulous Moolah for the past like 32 years before she died. Mm-hmm. Um, how she used to pimp out the girls who lived on her ranch and she used to take their money that they would have made from being booked on shows. And she had like, they had to perform favors for promoters. And, you know, all these stories came out after she had passed because nobody really wanted to say anything, how evil a person she was. 
the assassination of Dino Bravo. Dino Bravo was a Canadian wrestler. So it talks about him being with the mob after his wrestling career. And then he actually got assassinated like 16 bullet shots to the chest and to the head. The Chris Benoit story was really good. Owen Hart's story was really good. They did one on New Jack. This guy was like a independent wrestler, but he wrestled for a, a fed called ECW. And this guy was crazy. Like he was like just crazy. And he ended up wrestling a guy named Mass Transit. And he was only 16 years old, but they, he said he was 22. He lied to the promoters. Mm -hmm. He was only 16 years old and new Jack ended up demolishing this guy. But for real, like the guy was like bleeding profusely from the head and he like took advantage of him in the ring. And they're just like, he ended up, I think killing somebody in the ring. Like it just, the stories behind it, the actual stories that you don't know about. Mm -hmm. stuff that you don't see on tv and stuff like that this is why they call it the dark side of the ring it's just a, an excellent documentary on different wrestling stories it was cool to see stone cold just shooting the shit with the undertaker they've known each other for i don't know how many years now they're comfortable talking to each other yeah you know they might have had their small beefs and stuff but you could see that they get along they respect oh, yeah. each other and I remember Stone Cold, he was talking about they had some match. And he said that The Undertaker, whenever he would hit him, he was like nice and gentle. And then Stone yeah. Cold said he was throwing potatoes the whole match. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this stuff I had no idea. For, I had to do a double take when I saw The Undertaker on because it was just like, wait, is that The Undertaker? Yeah. He looks so different out of character without the makeup, without. But yeah. you can tell like his eyes, his features and everything just it, they really stand out. Well, he's and, over 50. Yeah, he's yeah. he's doing pretty good considering yeah. how many injuries he's had. And wow, just it was a really good episode that I was watching. And unfortunately, I don't get to see them all. So yeah. I just happened to catch that one. It was amazing. We should probably do like a full on episode on the wrestling and maybe even the UFC stuff in the future. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I'm down but, for that because uh, it's uh, the Broken Skull Sessions. So he has his original podcast. And then he does these ones for, I guess, the WWE Network, I think. He does like these TV interview kind of things where he does The Undertaker. He did like the Bret Hart episode was really good because they talk about the like the Montreal screw job and they just talk about behind the scenes stuff. And him and Bret were really good friends. You know, they just shoot the shit as well, right? How They're long playing is it uh, a lot of them on Sportsnet right now because of the quarantine thing. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's probably where I saw it. How long yeah. has it been since Bret has been out of the game? So screw job, I think happened in 97. And then I think Brett was in WCW for like five years. So it's like early 2000s. Is he still doing the rounds right now? He shows up in like different places now. So like there's a federation called AEW and he showed up there once to like present a belt. So like he still has like his appearances and stuff. I think he still shows up in WWE from time to time. I don't know. I don't even watch it barely anymore. It's really weird now because they have the, no fans. Uh, the matches with no fans. Yeah. It's so it's weird. You, it you is. get like this really kind of corny vibe off the episode and they have the female wrestlers and stuff and they're like screaming and you're just like oh this is like cringe so much cringe you can hear everything they're saying too right like normally you wouldn't hear that because of the crowd and you can hear everything that they're saying in the ring you know plexiglass around like the barrier and this is so strange like i don't know they could have them wrestling in bubble wrap yeah it, it's <laughs> it's just really really weird i'm telling you the fans the whole atmosphere, the fans make it because... Oh, know, yeah. 
without the fans, it's completely dead. Even the commentators, the announcers. Yeah. It's just, it's so bizarre. Well, there's but. nothing to feed off of, right? Like I say this about any sport that's going to come back right now. If you watch any of the soccer games that are on TV, it's strange because there's no chanting. There's no cheering when a goal scores. So you'll hear the actual players yell like, yeah, when the goal gets scored. Sure. And yeah. you never hear that on, on TV. You hear the fans erupt, right? Watching baseball, if that were to happen right now, I don't know how it would be. Like you hear the crack of the bat and then you expect the huge cheer and you're not going to get that because they want to play without fans. I would play the cricket track the whole yeah. game. <laughs> I would just like filter in a crowd, just, you know, somebody do an audio engineer filter in a crowd and make it seem like there's a crowd there. Well, I think in South Korea for their soccer games, they were putting sex dolls in the stands. Did you hear about that? Yeah, apparently in Germany. So what they had in Germany for the Bundesliga was you could buy a cardboard cutout of yourself. You would send in a picture, you would pay, they would put it on a cardboard cutout and they would put it in the stands. So they had like 20,000 cardboard cutouts in the stands to make it look like there were real fans there, but they didn't move or they didn't make noise. It just looked like there were people in the stands. That's pretty smart, though. Yeah. Whoever came up with that idea, I'd be in on that. I get to make a mock-up of me in the stands, probably get myself on camera, yep. use that as my Instagram meme. Well, it was brilliant because they actually made money off of it, too, right? The guys that came up with that idea, it was pretty slick. What's going on with baseball? Have you heard anything? Right now, some of the owners are saying, you know what, let's can the whole season, forget it. We're losing all kinds of money and the Players Association and Major League Baseball can't come to an agreement. So Major League Baseball wants to have 82 game season and the Players Association wants to have 112 game season and they want to do a realignment of divisions because it's going to be a shortened season no matter what. Owners want to take away and prorate the salaries and the players are saying, no way, we are contracted to have, you know, this amount of money. So somebody who's making $35 million a year is essentially going to make $7 million a year. So you have to think about what about the guys who are getting paid base salary? Exactly. What are they going to get cut down to, right? So somebody who's lost basically $28 million for the year, you're looking at four-fifths or whatever it is of their salary that they've lost. If somebody's making league minimum of a million dollars, and you're losing four you're losing about eight hundred thousand dollars right there, right? Because they're gonna take a percentage away. So a lot of these players are saying, no, we don't want that. So that's a sticking point. The owners are losing money because there's no fans coming in, there's no merchandise being bought, none of this stuff is happening. So how are they supposed to pay the players? I have no sympathy for these people because they're telling us we only made one billion dollars this year as opposed to the four billion we should have made. Crimea River, how many people are not working right now that can't even afford to put a meal on their table? And you're talking about only making a billion dollars. Like, I, I don't have sympathy for that kind of stuff. I mean, I can understand they're just dealing with their own business and their sport, their livelihood. But if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, the big picture, it doesn't really amount to a hill of beans right now. No. What do you think they should do? I think they should just probably can the season. I don't want them to can the season because I'm a fan of sports. But it's just, it's a different time right now. You know, this world is kind of in the shitter right now. What are you going to do? Like, I mean, you're going to have no fans in the stands. The rule in baseball right now, what they're trying to do is say, okay, there's, you know, social distancing, of course, but how do you do that with two teams on the field? You have at least 18 players on the field at a time. 
And if you make it to a base, you're near other players from the other teams. There's supposed to be no contact at home plate, which is just strange because if there's a play at the plate, what are you going to do? There's no spitting. There's no sunflower seeds. There's no chewing gum. How are you going to stop that? You know, like, how do you enforce that? Like, if you see somebody spit, what are you going to do? Suspend them? Like, like, I don't understand. And the fact is, is that if one person contracts COVID-19, that means those two teams have to come out and quarantine for two weeks and they're out of the league. I I don't know how you run it. Well, that's what I was saying. There's too many moving parts, right? There's so much that you have to account for. And if you want to keep people safe, you have to go above and beyond, right? It's just all these little pieces that you have to make sure are in place. At what point do you say, you know what, Uh, screw this. Let's just wrap it up and that's it. Or what you can do is maybe have some sort of pay-per-view where you have a special mini season. Yeah. And I don't know how many games you could lay out. And then you could do something creative with the teams. You can have some sort of all-star setup or I don't know, something like that. Think outside the box, customize it a bit. Just do whatever you need to do to get the fans maybe online or you can open up the stadiums, have like a minimum amount of people in there. Maybe that would work. Who knows? The way that you're talking about now, all the stuff that all these considerations that they have to think about, that's just ludicrous to me. It is, but here's the issue. You have football that wants to start a season. You have hockey that wants to start a season. You have basketball that wants to start a season. And you have baseball that wants to start a season. Now, with all of these sports, two of them are highly physical contact sports in hockey and football. How do you keep that social distancing rule? And how do you keep the virus from spreading if one of the players does have it, right? You had uh, the NBA who had one player get COVID-19 before they had to cancel the season. And it spread to quite a few players on both teams that were playing. And this was at the beginning when it just first started. Now this has spread a lot more. Now in basketball, you're going to have every single player on the court touches that ball. Every time they pass the ball, what are they going to do? Replace the ball every time they touch it? Like, I mean... If you have somebody who has the virus, they touch the ball, their sweat gets on it, they're, you know, they lick their hands, they touch the ball, whatever. The virus can spread. You're in pl- close proximity of each other. So how do you stop that from happening? Football, again, you're going to be a lot of contact in there. There's a lot of tackling. There's a lot of like pushing and shoving. There's a lot of yelling at each other. They're very close to each other in the line of scrimmage. Baseball, same thing. You have the ball, pitcher touches it, catcher touches it, outfielder infielders they all touch the ball you know how do you stop the actual virus from spreading if somebody does have it and they all touch the ball and then what are the repercussions if somebody does have it and it spreads to two separate teams what if those two teams are at the top of the division when it happens and they have to shut down the season again for two weeks while everybody quarantines or somebody does have it and has to recover from a serious illness what do you do then do those two teams come out of the league and everybody bumps up to spotlight. Again, like you said, there's so many moving parts in it that it's just ridiculous. I don't know how you would actually get it going. Okay, so I'm sitting here just listening to you going through all these scenarios. and I'm thinking, come on, really? This is just insane. And if you have to go through all these scenarios in the first place, I think you have two options, really, at the end of the day. You either just don't give a shit and everybody just plays And if they get sick, they get sick. Or, you know, you're too handicapped with the other option where you have this checklist of a thousand things that you need to watch out for. 
And at that point there, I would just shut down the season. I don't think it's doable right now. And besides, you have the riots, the looting, the pandemic, the crazy politicians. You have these uh, like socialist lockdowns going on. A complete shit show. Everything is swirling down the toilet bowl right now. You know, the world needs to be flushed. There's a lot of bad actors playing right now, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. If you look at the UFC, like they've gone ahead with their events. And don't ask me how this has happened. I know Dana White and Donald Trump are very good friends. It might have a lot to do with that sport being allowed to continue. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's the reason. But at the same time, we're supposed to be practicing social distancing. I know a lot of people call BS on this social distancing thing. But you have two guys in the ring who are hitting each other. They're dripping sweat. They're dripping blood. There's saliva exchange in there. The mats are not cleaned, you know, in between the the rounds. Uh, Then you have your corner men coming in and taking care of the cuts. If there's any cuts in the fights, how is this allowed to go on? And Dana White has come in and said, you know, there was one of the fighters pre, I believe it was UFC 248 or 249. I don't remember which one it was that actually they knew about was in close contact with somebody who had COVID and he was scheduled for a fight and they ended up canceling it the day before they ended up canceling just that fight him and two of his corner men got COVID-19 and they knew that he was in close proximity with the other person that had it where he got it from and they still allowed him to be around other fighters really which means he was maybe transmitting this virus to other fighters as well. And Dana White basically came out and said, it's my company. I'll do what the hell I want. And I did what I want until we knew that that test came back positive. And I was going to wait for that test to come back positive. So he took zero precautions. He gives zero fucks whatsoever what's going on. Doesn't care for the safety of the fighters. And I know the fighters have to agree to actually be in the octagon, but We have to think, too, they also have to feed their families and they don't get paid unless they fight. It's not like they have, you know, much of a sponsorship deal because Reebok has taken over the sponsorship deal of UFC and Dana White gets a big cut of that money. They don't see the money they would see from independent sponsors that they used to because they used to have all kinds of sponsors on their shorts and, you know, and their T-shirts and stuff like that. And that all came crashing down when Reebok got the deal. They can only wear Reebok equipment. And Dana White and the UFC actually get a big portion of that endorsement deal and the fighters only get a small percentage. So they still have to feed their family. So they have to fight to make their money. And it's just ridiculous that Dana White can come out and say, you know what, this is my company. I'm going to do what I want. Don't tell me what to do kind of thing. You know, he has plans, I guess, for the summer where they're actually opening something called Fight Island. And it's actually a secluded island where they're just going to have their fights broadcast from. So let me see if I can get this straight. Right now, they're still having matches with audience members there? No. So no audience. It's a, It's just the octagon. They're televised. Okay. So you still think you have to have a television crew. You have to have an arena crew that can open up the building and close the building. You have to have a cleanup crew. You have to have all the corner men in there. You have to have the athletic commission in there. You have to have a referee. You have to have the commentators and you have to have the fighters, plus all the backstage personnel that are still all in this arena. Now, I get an arena is big. You can, you know, social distance properly where the commentators are actually on each side of the cage. So they're not sitting beside each other. But you still have at every time a referee, two fighters in the ring who are in close proximity of each other. Plus, you have your corner men that come in at the end of each round that are 
with you. And sometimes it can be a team of six, seven guys that are, you know, attending to a cut and giving you coaching advice and whatever it is that they're doing. So they're not really following the guidelines either, right? So the fighters are adults, right? They can decide for themselves. But what you were saying was a lot of these guys, they don't make a lot of money and they got to feed their family. Man, they're pressed. They got to do something. Yeah. So it falls to Dana White. So if Dana White is actually just saying, screw it, you guys can fight or not fight according to how I see things, that's bullshit. You know what? If you're going to make money off of these human beings, don't treat them as pieces of meat, as dollar bills that are just floating in front of you. These guys have families. You know, you got to watch out for their own lives, their own safety. Take precautions. If you're going to do it anyway, at least put some kind of effort to be human into the sport and treat these people as they deserve because I'm sorry, that's bullshit. I would be pissed off. But again, a lot of these guys, like you were saying, they're stuck for money. Yeah. They got to feed their family. That's how it is, unfortunately. And man, I I don't know. I don't know what I would do in that situation. But what's it's, the difference between a UFC event going on and let's say a basketball event going on where there's 11 people or 12 people on the court with like five on each team and then uh, two or three referees. So you have like 12, 13 people on there where you have that many people in the octagon in between rounds. Why is the UFC allowed to keep going and the NBA and NHL and those kinds of sports really can't get going? You know, is Dana White trying to make a statement by saying, you know what, we beat COVID and we don't care about COVID. And, you know, we were at the forefront of this whole movement of getting sports back on TV. Or is he just a greedy son of a bitch that just kind of wants his money and doesn't give two shits about the health? He's, you know, he's kind of like one of these... Trump is, you know, I tested positively negative for the virus on my thing, you know, and <laughs> you think you're immune to it and you think everybody else should be too. Meanwhile, we're looking at, you know, right now as the numbers stand in the world, six and a half million cases in the world and close to 400,000 deaths. Now, and let us that still let, doesn't scare them. Let us not forget where this all started from and where this came from China. Yeah. from their labs and they were screwing around with this stuff on purpose they shut down all the flights from wuhan to beijing but they let all the flights leave from wuhan to the international community throughout the world these communist bastards they are directly responsible so the fact that people are whining and bitching at trump please give me a break everybody needs to point their finger at those evil bastards, the Communist Party of China. Not the Chinese people. The poor Chinese people have suffered so much throughout this whole thing. They're being treated like complete garbage by their tyrannical government. But I'm telling you, so much, just like you were saying before, this whole world is just a complete shit show right now. A lot of people were saying, I'm not buying any more Chinese-made products. I'm thinking, yeah, that's a good thing. But hey, guess what? All of the production years ago went to China and all of our products are from China now. So unless yep. we start a manufacturing here in Canada and the US and every other country takes things into control and does it for themselves, I mean, you can't escape it. It's really a shitty deal we've all gotten. And going back to the COVID-19 with the sports, you have to decide either you don't give a shit, full steam ahead, ramming speed, and whoever's going to get sick, get sick, 
or you just chicken little and uh, the sky is falling and hide under your bed sheets. Sorry, I had a discussion with my wife yesterday. My physiotherapist called and they're reopening next Monday. They wanted to get me in and I wanted to go over the protocols with them even. And it's like, you know, you go in and you have a mask. You have to have a mask on. You have to sanitize your hands when you come in. Everything is wiped down after every customer. And it's like one per visit. So you'll have uh, one person in there. When they come out, you go in at your appointment time. So I kind of book like the last appointment of the day so that I don't have to worry about anybody coming in or out while I'm there. So physiotherapists are allowed to open. Massage therapists are allowed to open. Uh, dentists are allowed to open for, I guess, emergency visits. And that's a dangerous profession to be in with this whole COVID-19. But my wife's concern was if all of those can open, why aren't hairdressers allowed to open? What's the difference? Why are some things allowed to open, but some aren't? That's a good point. So we go back to the sports things again. Like it's a comparison to sports. Why are some allowed to go and some aren't? I was going to say, just look at the leadership here in Canada. A lot of the countries around the world, the politicians are in parliament. They're doing their job and they've taken precautions. What do we have here in Canada? Trudeau hiding in some cottage somewhere. They basically disbanded parliament until September. He was working with Singh from the New Democrat Party. And these tools have basically shut down this country. They're hiding because they don't want to answer any questions. They're backing up China. They're not supporting Canadians. They're telling us to social distance while they're still letting flights come in from China. And nobody's testing them at the damn airports. Yeah. And whenever they ask Trudeau a question, he goes, uh, um, uh, er, uh, never answers the question. It's too bad he doesn't have editing tools that he can edit out the ums and the uhs and the ums. And, you know. Yeah, the guy's a complete joke. And everybody knows he's a complete joke. And a lot of people are saying that he's just, he's basically selling out Canada to get his seat on the UN Security Council. That's his ultimate goal. That's what people are saying. And you can tell whenever they ask him about the money, we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. There was a parliamentary session where the opposition was asking, how much money are we talking about here? Where is it going? And they said, we don't know. It's like hundreds of billions of dollars around there, but we're not sure because the Justin Trudeau liberals aren't giving us the documents that we need to track the finances. What? It's like, give me a break. You're not letting the people know where their tax money is going? I'm sorry, this guy's a tyrant. He's a communist, fascist, whatever you want to call him. He's a puppet for all the players in the background, New World Order, whatever you want to call it. And so uh, the opposition conservative guy said, wait, you're telling me that you guys don't have access to the documents? They said, no, we've asked for months. They will not provide it to us. And we don't know roughly what's going on. And then they were going more into the details about the finances Sorry, I'm getting off track now, but it's important that people know about this stuff. And the opposition guy was basically asking these guys, well, how can it be that all this money is being thrown out there and nobody knows where it's going? And the other guys on the count, on the bench were just saying, yeah, we know, but we can't do anything because we can't get access to any of the information. There was a comment once that Justin Trudeau made that he admires the regime in China on how they get things done. Really? So they have people in concentration camps over there. They have all sorts of evil nastiness going on against their own people. And this guy admires them for that, admires them on how they do things. 
This is the failure of leadership that we have in Canada. So the people that are complaining about Trump, you know what? If he pisses off the Russians and the Chinese, I'm good for that because we don't even have a leader here in Canada and the guy's completely useless. Although and, Trump is doing some real dumb stuff too, but I mean, not you know, to the lines of Trudeau. At least he's doing something, man. Trudeau's yeah. like rearranging his sock drawer in his cottage where he's pretend social distancing so he doesn't have to get his ass in front of all the questions and people are calling him out because, oh man, it's bullshit. And everybody's fine with it. Like nobody says anything. And that's the difference, I think, between Canada and the U.S. Again, sorry, I know I'm getting off topic here, but, you know, at least in the States, there's people tend to take a stand one way or the other and they fight. Here, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, pretty soon we're going to be flying the Chinese flag at uh, Parliament Hill. Probably already there. Lots of other and, flags there. So why not one more, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, exactly. Canadians, that's just the way we are. That's just the way we are. I don't think things will ever change. We stand up for ourselves, but we do it in a way that we're quiet about it. You know, uh, there was always a joke that was made on uh, like one of the comedians that I used to watch. I think his name was Greg Foster. I, I can't remember. The the last name was Foster. I remember that. Anyways, he, he would always make sure to say that, you know, Canadians, the way they argue is, all right, I'll just write a letter to my member of parliament. And that's basically yeah, what true. we do. You know, it's not, you, you know, you don't, you don't get into some of the extreme situations that the U.S. get into in order to bring forth information or try to create change. We just say, we'll write a letter to our member of parliament and our member of parliament just takes that, crumples that up and pretty much throws it in the garbage. But, you know, that's just the way Canadians are. And we're just kind of a sit back and chill kind of country, I guess. And I think that's kind of why getting back to the sports thing is why we're not too upset about the sports. Like I hear more American sports fans with concern over bringing sports back than you do in Canada. And maybe that's because the majority of the news is coming out of the States. So maybe that's why I'm hearing more American fans. And I know a lot of Canadian sports fans want the sports back. Don't get me wrong. But you hear more of it coming out, more of the anger coming out of the U.S. And even in Texas, you have the baseball stadium saying that we're going to still allow 25% of the stadium's capacity fans to be in the stadium to watch the games when they do restart. So what kind of number are we talking about there roughly? So if you're looking at, say, a 50,000-seat stadium, you're looking at like 12,500 fans. Would you say right? that 50,000 is the average seating well, if capacity? You think, if you think of Skydome, and I'm not calling it the Rogers Center, it's the Skydome. If you look at the Skydome, I think it holds... 50,000, I believe, for a baseball game. Okay. 50 to 55,000. So, I mean, that's average. I mean, the American stadiums for football, I know, can hold 100, 150,000 in some of the stadiums. So, that's, I don't believe that's for baseball. That's more for football. But the baseball stadiums have an average of 45 to 50,000 fans that they can hold. So, 12,500 fans, that's a lot of people in one place. You're going to social distance in the seating. Yes. But at the same time, do all of these people not need to go to the same exits at one point? Do all of these people not need to use the washrooms at some point? Do all of these people not need to use the concession stands at some point? Again, how do you control that amount of people in that amount of space to not interact with each other? That's a good question. 
I'm pretty sure they're already selling personal teleporters on Amazon. You just probably got to check really good. You yeah. know, they got everything else on there. Yeah. <laughs> but just yeah, hit the teleport button. Get me the hell out of here right now. Send me it. up to Mars. Send me up to another uh, planet out there that we can live on and we'll start building. That would be crazy. Mm. You just zap in and zap out. You know, you got to yeah. go to the washroom. You just go home, go to the washroom, come back. That'd be yeah. awesome. No travel time for work, no travel time for getting downtown, nothing, right? Yeah, cool. so that's basically what the sports world is looking at right now for this because, I mean, at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to be the one that's making this decision, right? You're no. either making a fantastic decision and allowing your sport to continue or you're making a massive mistake and you are jeopardizing people's lives here. And you don't want to be on that end of it. You want to be able to be the one that says, hey, you know what? We took a chance. We got our sport back and going. We got, you know, community back together. We got economy back up and working again. You don't want to be on that one saying, you know what? We took that chance and we failed because the protocols weren't followed or the protocols weren't in place that, you know, people got sick. People nearly died. You don't want to be on that end of it. So I don't want to be the one making that decision. And thank God I don't have to. Like right now, television is boring as hell because a lot of it is reruns. I'm used to at this time of year watching the Jays games, like Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, football season would be starting soon. Like I'm used to watching the sports and and it's no secret. I'm a big baseball fan. I will watch any baseball game that's on TV and I really miss the sport. I really miss watching the sport. And it's a shame because the Jays this year had, you know, quite a young group of kids. They signed a really good pitcher out of South Korea. So they they had opportunity this year to make a little bit of noise in their division. And then in the next couple of years, I'm predicting that they're going to be a playoff contender, a World Series contender with these young kids. And it's a shame to see, you know, these kids not being able to play this year and wasting a year of their potential right well, now. What about, um, I wanted to ask you about the Leafs. Yeah. Where were they in terms of their season and their chances of winning something in the postseason there? Stanley Cup's not going to happen. So, sorry for them, not, not in total. But here's basically what the NHL has done. They've come up with a plan for a new season it's basically, I, I believe it's a 24-team playoff mini tournament, just as you were talking about earlier. So the playoffs are going to work like this. You have the top four teams from the divisions. Those four teams are automatically into the playoff round, and they will play a series against each other. So they will play one game against each other to determine the seedings one through four. And then the rest of the teams that are in the playoffs will play a five-game series against whatever uh, seed that they are at. So say Toronto was at seed number eight. They're going to play seed number nine, which would be the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. And they would have a five-game series. Now, the winner of that series would move on to the next round. Loser is out, just like a normal playoff format. And then all of those teams that move forward would be playing against like the top four seeds. So you would still have, you know, the regular playoff format, then when it would go to seven game series and so on until you hit the Stanley Cup finals, they're actually going to play it in what they call hub cities. They want to have a Canadian city, either uh, Edmonton, Winnipeg or Toronto as one of the hub cities. And every game would be played 
I guess from that playoff bracket would be played in that city. You'll have American cities as well. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there because what if you do have Toronto playing in a playoff series against other teams, they have home advantage the entire playoffs Yeah, because you're playing there, you know, so does that have an advantage for them because they have the home crowd on their side, but you can't have players being allowed to travel to 16 different cities for the the actual rounds of playoffs because it's just way too much travel, way too much contact with other people. Now you're talking about opening up international airports where I guess, I don't know if it is Canada or not, or if it's just the U.S., that are allowing all players from Europe, from uh, different countries to actually return to the States. So now we're going to have international flights coming into North America. And sure, they've maybe quarantined for how many days, but are you 110% sure that they've been quarantined for the whole entire time? We don't know this. They can just be saying, yes, we have been quarantined, but in their home country, their home city, wherever they are, you don't have cameras on them 24 hours a day. So do you know that they're actually been in lockdown for the past two weeks? You have to go on their word. So you know, you're bringing them into the country so that you can start your season at some point. Again, it comes back to, I think you only have two choices really, because listening to what you're talking about, you know, going through all these scenarios, man, like it's, it's insane. Yeah. So I think if it was me and if I had to choose, I would say, okay, maybe, um, allow this revised schedule, these customized games, this little mini season, this new format, whatever they want to do, just open it up 100%. But um, what they could do is have a just a small number of fans locally open up the rest online, some sort of pay-per-view. And then in terms of these hubs where you're going to have these uh, special tournaments going on, I don't know about that because it's like you said, if one is in Winnipeg and Toronto has to travel back and forth, I don't know how you could just get around that. It's a tough decision. Again, if it were to be played all in one building, like how are you going to be able to assure that all of these players, say if they're playing in a hub city of Toronto, how are you going to assure that all of those players are locked down in their hotel rooms 24 hours a day and all of they're doing is traveling from their hotel to the stadium or to the arena and then back to their hotel to make sure that they haven't come in contact with anybody, say, in the downtown area. Did they go out, try to get coffee or did they go out and come across somebody downtown, whether it be, you know, um, somebody who is on the streets or a homeless person or, you know, just whoever it is that you came in contact that may have had it. And now you have it. Like, how do you control that situation? where they're going to be stuck in the hotel you're going to they're still going to come in contact with people absolutely that's going to happen because they still got to eat they still got to go to the gyms and, and train uh, they'll go to the the practice facilities and be able to use the practice facilities there's so much to think about on how you control certain situations i know a lot of people will say you know this whole covid-19 thing is being blown out of proportion the numbers aren't really that high in comparison to the numbers that actually are in the country you know if you're looking yeah, at a lot of, yeah, canada a lot of people. you have 36 million people but you only have 700 cases a day that's a small percentage right but the more you open up if you look at the way that the numbers have, have been trending lately 
you were in the 200 range daily for a couple of days there. And then we said, okay, let's open up all of this stuff. Let's open up stores, curbside stores. Let's open up some of the, the provincial parks. Let's open up water fountains. Let's open up, you know, a whole bunch of stuff now. Uh, let's go to Trinity Bellwoods Park and, you know, have a whole bunch of people there and look at where the numbers are now. We're back up into the 400s again. So opening more stuff is obviously going to create a higher number. And Ford has made no secret about this. He said, you know what, if this happens, I'm going to shut it all down again. And well, that's where we don't want to go, right? We don't want to go in that direction. So should we be safe right now instead of being sorry? I think so. Well, the so. example that you brought up about Trinity Bellwoods Park, that was crazy. Everybody was packed like sardines yeah. into this. I don't know how big the park is, but man, they were just crammed in there. I was looking at the people on the news telecast, just saying, what's wrong with you people? Like, just keep your distance. You can go to the park, but just keep your six, seven feet. Even Ford called them out. He was just like, I don't understand these people. You're right that a lot of them are testing positive now. And Again, it comes back to the source of where this all started. I keep harping on the Chinese Communist Party, but everybody file their lawsuits and send it their way and just crush them. Just bury those bastards, you know, because they're responsible for all this. We're not. You know, we have to deal with all this. And that's where we are. We're stuck in this terrible situation and we have to do the best that we can. I look at even uh, the protests that are going on at Queen's Park over the whole extending of the emergency the emergency plan, I guess. And Ford said it too, these people are being irresponsible and people are thinking, you know, I can get it and I can recover from it. And you have to think about, this is not about you, okay? This is not about you. You could be asymptomatic and you could have it and recover from it. You can have a very low grade part of the virus and not even feel a thing. It's not about you. It's about you transferring it to the sick, uh, the elderly, the immunocompromised. And those are the people that are getting it. And those are the people that are in hospitals and that are passing away. And that's the sad part of it. And the people that will sit there and say, well, then why don't you just quarantine those people? I'm going to say right now, you don't segregate people just because of that. There's no reason ever on this planet for segregation, okay? You're going to say, keep those people home because, you know, they can't handle it. Wait until somebody in your family or wait until yourself gets it and doesn't recover from it. Then yep. come back to me and say, you know, this is nonsense. This is, this is just total nonsense. And I will refuse to put anybody in jeopardy because of my stupidity and my selfishness to go and have something for myself. This whole situation sucks so bad. Everything is just a mess. I don't even know what to say anymore. Anyways, getting back to sports a little bit, I just wanted to ask, have any of the guys that were on your baseball team, the high school kids, have any of them reached out to you or have been asking you about, you know, if anything's starting up, anything like that? No, I, I talk to them from time to time. For those that don't know, I coach varsity baseball and I've uh, been doing it for a few years now uh, with the school that I was working at. I don't work there anymore, but I still go back and coach. But the you know, at the beginning of all this, they were very optimistic and saying, oh, this is going to pass and we'll be back out on the baseball field and I can't wait to play baseball again. And, you know, super excited. And and I, I side with them because at that age, I was the same way. I played for many, many years 
And I was the same way as, as they were thinking. And, you know, I kind of had to break the news to them and say, like, listen, guys, I have a, a good feeling that this season's going to get canceled. The school year is going to get canceled. And they were like, no, no, coach, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. We're going to play again. And I felt for them because some of them, this might be their last year being able to play because they'll be graduating, but they just want to get back on the field. And I can see it. And, and there were a couple of times where they said, you know, hey, let's get together and go toss the ball and do some batting practice. And there was like five or six of them that wanted to get together. And I kind of had to put a kibosh on them not being their parent or anything and saying, guys, don't be irresponsible and do that. We're supposed to be social distancing. And there's like, yeah, we can stay six feet apart. And I said, and throw the ball to each other. And I know at your age, you're not going to stay apart from each other. So don't do it. Just stay home. I'm not your dad, but just do me a favor and try and stay home from it. I just feel bad for these guys. And I, and I wish this wasn't happening. I wish that they were able to go out and do what they love to do right now. But unfortunately, the circumstances don't allow it. Yeah, it must be eating them up, being at home and not being able to get out. It would drive me nuts, that's for sure. Well, not only is their school baseball season canceled, but their league that they actually play in is canceled as well. So they were playing for two to three different teams, depending on what leagues they were in. And they're all canceled, so they don't get to play at all. And this is the sport that they all love to play. I know some play other sports as well, but a lot of the guys on the team, their first love was baseball, and that's all they wanted to play. I know we had one of the students on the team came from Cuba. Baseball is huge over there. This kid just absolutely took to the game when he got here. They used to play not an organized league there. They used to play for fun, but their for fun league is probably a lot more competitive than our real leagues here because mm -hmm. that's their sport, right? And, yeah. you know, he came in and he just took to the game and became this really, really good player and never played back catcher before in his life. So when we asked, like, we need a back catcher for our team, he said, you know, I'll give it a try. And man, I kind of took him under my wing. I used to be a back catcher as well. And I taught him some stuff and man, this kid is fantastic. Let you me know? ask you a question from what you saw not too long ago. I think it was what a year ago that you last saw him. Yep. Okay. Where do you think this guy was in terms of his skill and his realistic chances of making it to the big leagues? Because I heard you talking about him a few times and that you're really impressed by his skills because he wasn't in the game too long and he picked it up really quick and he was still learning English at the time, too. Yeah. Uh, just came over to Canada. And so he had all this stuff going. Plus, he had school, a lot of things to overcome. And you said he was doing a really good job. He was coming along at a really quick rate. So where do you think he rated in terms of his chances and his skill level at that time? Realistically, the sports scene in Toronto, in Canada, basically, is a lot tougher to get into professional sports not as much now as it was, you know, back in the day, I guess, but it's probably a lot harder. Whereas if you went to an American college, if you went to an American university, it's easier to get noticed. You have your, you know, your televised events, you have your NCAA tournaments, you have all this stuff that's televised. And in Canada, you don't see much of that going on here on TV. So no, you don't. You know, for and I don't want to burst their bubbles because you know what? These kids play their hearts out. Great players, but it's hard to get noticed. Do I think he would make the majors at this point right now? No. Is there potential for him to go somewhere? Sure. 
Didn't you say that he was going, that he was moving down to the state somewhere and that he was going to try to get into some program down there? I think you were talking about that. Well, they talk about this stuff, you know, like his, I believe it's his uncle is really behind him and on top of all of this and, you know, takes him to different camps and buys him his equipment and stuff like that. And, you know, it's great, but the exposure here, like I said, is a lot more difficult to get noticed. Like you have American scouts coming into different high schools, but are they going to come to the high school league? So what we were doing was playing in tier two. I would imagine that the scouts are going to the tier one tournaments to go and see those players play where those guys are just beasts, right? Those guys are just above and beyond athletes. Whereas tier two, we were still trying to get our feet wet because we didn't really have a program up until about three years ago. So to jump into tier one right away wouldn't have been a smart thing for us to do. It just would have demoralized the kids because they just, you know, they weren't ready for that spot yet. Yeah, it's like and, throwing meat to the lions, eh? right? Yeah. So at the same time, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? Because tier two is not going to get the notoriety. You don't have many parents coming to watch the games because they're at work during the day when our games were going on. So yeah. You know, there wasn't that fan base, whereas tier one men, like you see some of these scores and it's just like a pitching duo or, you know, some of them are just like smacking other teams around. We had uh, one of the schools actually that played against us, not going to name the name of the school, but they just don't belong in tier two. They're a tier one team, but refuse to go up to tier one. And they had a kid in grade nine who was actually scouted by a major league scout. He was that good. Excuse me? Excuse me. In grade nine. Grade nine. I know which team you're talking yeah. about. Your arch yeah. nemesis. Everybody that they played against, they annihilated them. Yeah, they did. And this year we were going to beat them. Our team had become that good that we had a chance to beat them. Really? And yeah. And uh, I just, I just feel bad. Just this whole oh, virus sucks. thing is. Yeah. So that sucks so much. I just, I feel so bad for those guys because I know that they wanted to crush those donkeys. Yeah. Like you were saying that I think there's a little bit of arrogance on the side of those other people when I don't know how they finagled their way not to move up to the next level. It's their choice where what tier they want to play in, but I feel like they didn't want to have a loss on their record. So they didn't want to go and move up with the more competitive teams because I think they would have actually got crushed in tier one. Um, But to stay into tier two and just, we basically our first game against us they no hit us we had zero hits against them we lost 11 nothing and it was just you know it puts a hurt on the kids because they're excited to get into these tournaments and then teams like this just come into the tournament and nobody stands a chance against them and apparently it happens every year and the commissioners just say you know there's nothing we can do like that's th- that's their choice we can't say you can't be a tier 2 team So that's just the reality of it. So the hard part is, is that our guys playing in tier two doesn't give them the exposure. And in Canada, how many scouts are going to come down to Canada to watch tier two baseball when they have a more competitive system over in the U.S.? Well, it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, it's it's also good for your kids to be playing these guys because it pushes them you know, their skill level, their drive, they want to beat these guys. So they have this incentive to go out there and just kick their ass. But the people that are running this league are putting them at a disadvantage by keeping these higher skilled players who are so far along in their development, putting them at a disadvantage to play these guys because they're going to lose all their games. And then you become demoralized and you might hit a rut 
And then if you think, well, what's the point? If, if I'm playing and I lose every game, what's the point of even showing up? But, you know, good on you guys for getting to the point where you actually had a shot to take these guys down. I think that's great. But again, yeah. it's unfortunate that this whole thing transpired. Damn Chinese government, you know, I'd be so pissed off if I was them. Oh, absolutely. And they have every right to be. It's, you know, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I talked to my neighbors as well that have a couple of kids in baseball and they were supposed to be going to Florida for a tournament back in March. And that whole thing got canceled as well. They were supposed to be in a big baseball tournament and their kids play pretty high level uh, ball as well. So it's put a hurt on a lot of amateur sports, not just yeah. the professional sports. You know, you hear professional sports talking about losing all this money and and who cares? Who cares about that right now? Because you're playing for the love of the game. And a lot of these kids that want to be able to maybe make it to a major league promotion one day or into a um, maybe some kind of college or university scholarship one day, something to help them along in their education, don't get that opportunity right now because the game that they love is being taken over by this whole virus and this whole pandemic. The batting cages are back open. At least in Toronto, I know that much. So they are allowed to go to the batting cages. I don't know what the rules are in terms of staff wiping stuff down and how it all works. If you have to bring your own bats or if you use the bats that are there. I don't know what the precautions are there right now, but they have reopened the batting cages. So the kids could go out essentially and get some practice in that way. We're allowed to be in groups of five, I guess. Uh, no more than five people at a gathering. So again, throwing around a baseball with five guys, you could probably do that. But again, mm. these decisions are all decisions I would never want to have to make. And thankfully, I don't have to. You know, as hard as it is to stay inside all the time, I guess. Yeah, it's rough. Quarantine. As a high school kid, I wouldn't see myself doing it either. I would see myself being like, you know what? Screw that. I can't stay inside anymore. I need to get out. You know, I need to just be in a different location. And then, you know, you'd probably call your friends. It's kind of funny because in my neighborhood, there's a lot of kids and there's a lot of high school kids, a lot of elementary school kids. And people are posting pictures online all the time about all these high school kids are going out, I guess, and saying, you know, maybe I'm just going to go for a walk. Uh, they'll tell their parents and they're meeting up at the local high school and gathering in groups. And people are taking pictures of this and posting it online and saying, teach a kid about social distancing. This is not right for them to be gathering in these big groups like this. How many kids are we talking about here? Uh, 20, 25. I mean, it's not good that they're doing that, but they're teenagers. Yeah. You know, they're going to go out and they're going to be like, I need to be around my friends. I had funny and sad at the same time, but there was, I was out walking the dog with my wife and I was walking down the street right ahead of us coming towards us was a group of about eight teenagers. And I was like, that's a little bit too big of a group to be together. Like this is social distancing protocols are ignored right here. And they literally walked towards me and didn't even attempt to move off the sidewalk while they were walking towards me. Naturally. Yes, of course. So I said, <laughs> what to were myself, you expecting? <laughs> well, I said to myself, uh-uh, this ain't happening. I'm not moving either. Let's see who budges first. Because growing up, I was always taught that respect thing of you move off the sidewalk for adults. I'm an adult now. I'm in my 40s. These kids essentially should be moving off to the side. I should be setting an example. But at this point, I could see kind of what the attitude was. And it was kind of like, you know what? Screw you. You're going to move, old man. 
and I'm going to walk straight through you. So I just continued walking until they kind of came close to me. And then they moved off to the side because they knew I wasn't going to move. The problem was, is that what is this group doing out all together Mm -hmm. during social distancing protocols? And like I said, as a teenager, it's going to happen. We just have to accept it. Like they're teenagers. They're going stir crazy. We kind of got off topic a little bit there. But, you know, I can see why they might want to go out and throw the ball together at the park or, you know, play catch or hit a ball or do whatever they want to do, because that's just the way it is. These days, they're messed up. Hopefully we get through this, you know, sooner than later. Everything is allowed to return to normal. You know, even with the schools and stuff, I know it's hard having the kids at home and having to do e-learning and all this stuff but what are you gonna do right now yeah you know we just we have to sit and wait it out let it happen and be done with it let's just wait for this virus to to go away or a vaccine to come out or whatever it is that's gonna happen and we'll deal with it then it has been a shitty year absolutely this has been a throwaway year we're in june it's not it hasn't been a fun year 2020 has been the flushable toilet year yeah, That's what I think. Know, it's just the way it is. There's nothing we can do. Let's sit there. Let's wait it out. Let's all stay healthy. And, and we will get back to normal. And sports will return. And, you know, normal life will return at one point. Or, you know, we're going to all be on spaceships up to Mars and be building houses be. and stuff up there and playing baseball up there. I think in the future, we should probably do some episodes on wrestling, specifically about those special TV interviews that Stone Cold does with his wrestling buddies. That would be cool. And we could probably also do some episodes on the World's Strongest Man competition with yeah. Brian Shaw, Eddie Hall. Thor. Yes. That guy, uh, the guy who plays Mountain on uh, Game of Thrones. Yep. Man, Hapthor, I think his name is. Yes. I was actually watching Brian Shaw. He is four-time World's Strongest Man, and they've been playing. It was like 4.30 to 5 o'clock on Sportsnet. They've been playing the 2019-18 World's Strongest Man competitions on Sportsnet every day from 4.30 to 5. So okay. that's all I've been watching. Like, those competitions are insane. Oh, yeah. These guys are beasts. For those of you that don't follow the World's Strongest Man, so there's a beef between Eddie Hall and the mountain from Game of Thrones. And they're actually going to have a boxing match in the future, in the near future. I don't future. want to see that. I don't want to see Can that. Can you imagine? Now, Eddie Hall, I think he did some boxing when he was growing up. So these guys are actually full-on training for this boxing match, and they're going to go at it. So Wait, imagine can, these can guys. Can they even throw a punch? They don't oh, have a yeah. shoulder. They I'm don't have a shoulder. It goes neck to like, like to arm. Like they're just a trapezoid right there. It's just how do they even wind up their arm to even do that? Like they're massive, massive human beings. Let me tell you, Eddie Hall, he's amazing. He's quick. You should see him swim. It's just like a fish. It, the guy is super athletic and super strong. And Brian Shaw was saying once Eddie Hall gets something in his mind, he's unstoppable. He just goes right to the wall. So I'd really be interested in seeing this. But I'm also thinking to myself, if one of those guys hit us, it would probably like break us in half. Kill us. So strong. Oh, yeah. Another episode that we should do is arm wrestling competitions, because if I don't know if you've ever checked those out. uh, Some of them. Devin Larat is his name, and he's a Canadian guy. I think he's Special Forces or was on the Special Forces or in the Canadian Army. That guy's insane. These guys are so strong. Like, you can just tell. Like, they're just jacked to the moon. Just jacked. So strong. You can just imagine how much power they have and endurance. Go online, check out some of the videos out there. 
and just see for yourself. These guys are unreal. The lumberjack competitions, those, those guys are too. Fun. Those guys are skilled. Whenever I see them chopping away, I'm thinking, don't hit your leg. Don't cut yeah. your leg. There are so many sports episodes that we can actually get into. But, I mean, we've only gotten through, what, 16, 17 episodes so far right now. We have a couple pre-recorded that are going to be released. We have a lot of episodes to come still. A lot of topics, yeah. You know, lots of topics to go over. Some of these episodes take a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of digging, a lot of editing. So it takes time. So, I mean, we eventually want to get up there. We want to build our fan base. We want to build our listeners, our subscribers, all that stuff. So, I mean, it's going to take time to get to where we want to be, but we're going to get there. We're coming for you, Joe Rogan. We're coming for your 100 million Spotify <laughs> contract. We're going to get there and then retire. There was one more thing that I wanted to add before we wrap this episode up. A lot of the Canadian rappers that we've done episodes on, some of the research that we've been doing in the background, just checking out their lives and their interests, a lot of these guys are into the exact same things that we are. Sports, wrestling is huge with these guys. Yeah. And we were talking about this with regards to the Rascals, Canadian rap group. They're rap pioneers here in our country. And they did a video with Brett the Hitman Hart back in the day. And that was so cool because, like I said, this wrestling component to our Canadian identity is so important and it's influenced so many people. And I think that a lot of people just relate to Brett because he's down to earth looking at some of the specials where they were looking at his life growing up with his dad and his training in the basement. Did you see that one? Oh, yeah. That was insane. Yeah. They call that the dungeon. If anyone hasn't seen the special where they aired this. Wrestling with Shadows. That was a special done. That was the cameras that were following Bret Hart prior to the whole Montreal screw job. Okay. Uh, and that led up to the Montreal screw job. They kind of filmed that on it as well. So they ran the whole story of the whole dungeon and Stu Hart school of wrestling and how the hearts came up to be and stuff and the whole family story of it. When I saw that dad training these guys, yeah. the stuff that they had to go through, that's what they grew up with. That's what they knew. And they went with it. And Brett had a really good career, a successful career. A lot of people still relate to him even today, even after he left the game quite a few years ago. I think we should just wrap it up there. Before you do stop listening to this podcast, go on to our Instagram and follow us at Pod Jerky. Go on to our Twitter and follow us on Twitter at Pod Jerky. Follow us on our YouTube channel and listen to our and subscribe to our podcast on Podbean. I'm Master Impressive. I'm Director Awesome. As always, stay safe, be kind to each other. We'll see you later.